Hey, look, Dad. There's some footage with you in it, which is pretty rare since you like to be behind the camera. There you are feeding me some ice cream while something is definitely going on with that shirt collar. Hey, remember that time that you were filming us and Missy hit me with that jump rope thingy? See, watch. Here she goes. Three, two, one, boom. I doubt it really hurt, but I cried and said, Missy hit me. See, watch my lips. Missy hit me. What did you do? You pointed and said, go hit her right back. So I did. Look, it wasn't your best advice. And that's okay. And now she's coming after me. Oh, okay, okay. Well, look, let's face it. You were balancing a career, a marriage, and the most time-consuming of all, being a dad. And we knew how to push your buttons. We were experts at crying for no reason. In the same way, there's no reason to spin that in front of me. It will make me come after you, sis. Anyway, I'm thankful that you stuck with us and didn't stop. You didn't stop showing grace. You didn't stop loving us where we were. You didn't stop filming your son when he basically curled up into a ball of tears, but you honored the sacred dad rule. Keep the camera rolling. To all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. Thanks for letting us have a good cry for no reason and then run off. Well, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Happy Father's Day. Good to see you. Any fathers in here? All right. Right on. Hey, let's say good morning to the people in the family room. Good morning, fathers over in the family room. Happy Father's Day. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, I just want to take a moment, and uh, I'm not going to make Dad stand up. We don't like to do that. But uh, can I just pray for you guys? I mean, this journey as a father, and uh, I've been a father for 18 years, and um, I guess I'll keep going. You know, and it can get that way. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, thanks so much for your incredible love for each one of us. And this uh, role that, um, Lord, some of us get to play out in this life, that uh, as a dad, it's an amazing thing. And so, Lord, uh, I pray that you would give us strength. I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us encouragement, uh, not just today, but really every day, Lord, uh, as sometimes the journey gets difficult, and uh, Lord, there's highs and lows, and you're there with us through it all. Thanks that you are the Heavenly Father, you are the perfect one, you are the Holy One, and uh, Lord, may we be more like you uh, each day. So thanks for that in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if this is your first time at Lakeside, welcome. And my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And if I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you out in the lobby. I'll be out there afterwards. And, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love being a dad. I really, really do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if somebody could talk to me back then when I was younger and a little more idealistic and a little more dreamy about fatherhood. I don't know. I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I don't know if I would have said yes. I mean, I love my kids. Okay, so don't tell them I said that. They're not here right now. But, uh, but I, I, just, I just wonder. It's, a, it's an interesting journey. Like when my son was two, and we took him to a department store, two-year-olds and department stores, two things that don't mix very well. But Holly was on one side of the store looking at something, and it was my job to kind of keep track of my two-year-old. And so we just made a game of it, and we were playing around, and, and we were on these aisles, 
where he was on one end and I was on the other end, and we would pop out and we would say peekaboo or I'd say rawr, and, and he would giggle and laugh and he would run away to the next aisle. And I couldn't see him for about a second and he would pop out and then I would pop out and I would say rawr again and he giggled and because he was two, we had to do that like 45 times. You know what I'm saying, dads that have little kids and just do it again and again and again. And then one time, he didn't pop out. And I thought, oh, man, that little guy, I'm going to scare him good. So I snuck down to the other end of the aisle, and I popped out, and I did my rawr thing, and he wasn't there. <laughs> and so I had that, that feeling. I don't know if you've had it. I, I lost my kid. I had that panic feeling. And in about 30 seconds, I grabbed about four store employees, and they were on the phone with security, and the guy had the intercom thing in his hand, and they're ready to shut the world down. And I looked up, and from the other side of the store, I saw my sweet wife, Holly, walking with my two-year-old from the other side of the store. And she had that look on her face like, we're not going to talk about it right now, but what were you thinking, you bonehead? And, and so they're walking, and apparently he was on the other side of the store jumping on the mattresses, jumping from mattress to mattress. And, and he was trying to get his mom to chase him, so he was, he was really into it. But I, I, love, I love being a dad, but if I'm honest... You know, we've been, we've been talking about vulnerability around Lakeside. If I'm a little bit vulnerable with you, I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And it's probably good that I didn't know that what I didn't know because I don't know if I would have said yes to this journey. And, and, and again, I'm glad that I did. But I've, I've been thinking about that and just how it goes with parenthood. And it reminds me a little bit of my journey with God. 27 years ago, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my relationship with God you know, for anything, just like my relationship with, with my kiddos. But you don't know what's in store for you. The transformation and the things that God's going to do in your life, that journey that we're on. And we're in this series right now. We just started last week. It's called Zero to Hero. And we're kind of glancing this summer at the life and the writings of the Apostle Peter. He was a follower of Jesus. And I don't think that Peter really got it. Kind of like a new dad doesn't really know what he's going to face and what he's going to get. I don't know if Peter really understood when he started to follow Jesus those first steps that he took on a beach in Galilee. And it's probably a good thing, too, because Peter had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I mean, Peter messed up big time when you read the gospel stories about his life. And I think that there were times where Peter felt like a zero. But God sees something different in each one of us. And when Jesus looked at Peter, Jesus saw a hero. You see, Peter's story is really our story. And so Jesus believes in Peter, and he invites him to follow. And when Peter messes up, Jesus forgives Peter. And when Peter's sort of confused and lost in life, and his future is uncertain, Jesus restores Peter and gives him a fresh glimpse of his mission in life. When Peter gets tired and when he gets exhausted, Jesus is there to kind of be that strength in Peter's life. And the thing that I want to I share th- this morning with you is, is just like Peter, just like Jesus believes in Peter, just like God loves Peter, so he does with us. And he invites us into this journey of transformation and hope. 
And if you were to read, if you were to read the gospel accounts of, of, of Peter's life and the experiences that he had, if you were to read First and Second Peter, these two letters that are kind of towards the end of the Bible, you would see these two themes over and over again, the themes of transformation and hope. Peter's writing to this Uh, the early Christians, and they're kind of spread out in these different areas. Some of them are far away, and they're in the minority, and they're not really sure what's going on, but they're feeling the pressure, and they're feeling the persecution of the culture around them. And they just need something to hold on to, and Peter encourages them with these two themes of transformation and hope. Right at the very beginning of his letter, his first letter, It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That's transformation. That's change. And it's not just a one-time thing, but it was an ongoing thing. And Peter reminds them of where they've come from. Given us a new birth into a living hope. It's, It's not a dead hope. It's not an irrelevant hope. It's not a hope that's sort of tucked away. It's alive and it's well, and he says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Transformation and hope. Could you use any of that in your life these days? When was the last time that you felt like, oh, my life really changed for the better? Can you remember the last time you felt like, oh, wow, something's actually changing in my life. I I talk to people all the time, and I've I've never talked to anybody that couldn't at least find one thing about their life that they would say, yeah, I'd I'd like that to be different. What, What would you change in your life? What would you want to be different in your life these days? Or how about hope? First Peter is all about hope. There's a book called Hope Again by a guy named Chuck Swindoll that we used to listen to when I was in college and read some of his books. And he wrote a book all on First Peter, and it's all about hope because hope is one of the themes in First Peter. And I love how he starts his book. He says, hope is a wonderful gift from God, a source of strength and courage in the face of life's harshest trials. And then he sort of just unpacks a list of ways that we need hope. He says, when we're trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points to the light at the end. When we're overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we are discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, hope helps us persevere beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we must endure the consequences of bad decisions, hope fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us that we still have a future. When we are forced to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us that we're not alone, that we'll make it. And when we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond helps us process through our grief. 
He goes on and he says, put simply, when life hurts and dreams fade, nothing helps like hope. I've lived enough life now to know what it's like to be middle-aged and realize that some of the things that you hope for early on, some of the dreams that you have, actually aren't going to come true. At least in the way that you thought they would. So we need hope to dream new dreams. Let me ask you this morning, where do you need hope? Later on, uh, Chuck Swindoll says, hope isn't merely a nice option that helps us temporarily clear a hurdle. He says it's essential to our survival. In other words, it's a non-negotiable for us. And Peter is writing to this small band of believers in the world at his time who need hope because they're on the brink of losing it all. Some of them are being persecuted, some are being put to death, some are being put in prison, some are being maligned. All of them are being sort of laughed at because they were strange to the world around them. There is another Lord, and Caesar's not the Lord? You don't worship one of these gods? Who is this Jesus that you claim to have risen again? They were strange, and many of the people around them thought that they were not only strange, but that they were irrelevant. And they're wondering at this point in time, did we believe in the wrong God? Well, Jesus, we trusted in you, but we look out the window and our culture has gotten worse. What's going on? They're struggling with this and they're, they're wondering, when are you going to come back, Jesus? They, like probably every generation, hoped that Jesus would show up. The scriptures talk about this, that he will return, that there will be an appearing, and one day he will set all things right. And they're, they're wondering, well, when? Come on, you're late. And they're trying to reconcile their faith with their pain. And into this context, the Apostle Peter speaks with wonderful words of hope and the possibility of transformation. And so if you brought your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open to 1 Peter chapter 2. There should be some Bibles around you on the seats, and we have the page number there. You can pull it up on your smartphone. We've been using the Bible app, Version, and there's notes on there. There's passages of Scripture. There's the quote I read by Chuck Swindoll, and you can find that by just searching for live events in the menu there, and you'll find Lakeside Church, and you can take some snazzy notes in there as well. Peter's writing, and um, I'm not going to go over these verses, but in the very beginning verses of chapter 2, he's saying, don't live this way, essentially. Don't, don't do these things. There is a way to live life that is destructive, and it's not helpful. And Peter's saying, don't live life that way. And he says, crave for the pure spiritual milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up in respect to your salvation. Another way of thinking about that is crave and long for an intimate relationship with Jesus. And as we participate in this rhythm of the scriptures and prayer we get connected more and more and then we grow in respect to this journey that we're on with god and then he says in verse four of chapter two as you come to him in other words 
Peter assumed that people would continue to do this. He, would, he sort of assumed that coming to Jesus in this rhythm of prayer and in his word and, and fellowshipping with one another, that it was just a rhythm that they would have. He's assuming. So as you come to him, and he calls him the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There is this tremendous value that Peter reminds them of. You are holy. Now, these are people just like you and me. I mean, they're not perfect. They mess up all the time. One of the things I love about Peter is that his story is our story because he went on this journey of up and down. And so did they. And we experience that. Peter says, you are holy. This is how God is seeing you in Christ now. The value of that is tremendous. He calls them a holy priesthood. The priests were the leaders. They were the influencers. They were the ones who were to lead the people in worship and to be this aroma of God, of the unending Uh, no matter what, love of God in their culture. And now he's calling the early Christians. And now, 2,000 years later, he's saying to us, you are the priesthood, you are the leaders, you are the aroma of the love of God in the culture around you. And so lead with that love. Can you feel the value that Peter is reminding them of? He says you're being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. I, I think of the fruits of the Spirit. He's saying, you, you know what it's like to, to be hope to the world around you, to be the aroma of God to the world around you? Just look at the fruits of the Spirit like love. Be love. Be joy. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. Faithfulness. Self-control. Live that out. You have the the privilege of that mission. And then in verse 6, he says, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay in stone... I lay a stone in Zion. Zion would have been Jerusalem. Jerusalem would have been the very epicenter of all that they believed. And they knew that there was something that was going to take place. And he says, I lay a chosen and precious cornerstone. A A cornerstone was... That big stone that everything else that the temple, uh, the physical temple or, or any building uh, would, would lay on and would hinge on. Uh, there in the ancient Near East, there's been these cornerstones uh, excavated and, and, and discovered. The, the cornerstone of the temple was probably about 70 feet by 14 feet by 12 feet. It was a huge rock. And he's saying Jesus is that cornerstone. Everything depends on Jesus. And he says that now to you who believe, down in verse 7, he says, this stone is precious. Do you remember a time where Jesus was precious to you? I mean, has there been a time where, where you can remember, maybe in the past, that Jesus was just precious to you? I, I grew up in church. I, I grew up in this little church uh, down in the Bay Area. And, and, and I, I heard the stories, and, and we sang the songs. We had the flannel graph lessons. I mean, it, it was awesome. And, you know, I, I believed. I, I, I believed in who Jesus was. And I didn't really question a whole lot of the stories. I, okay, this is great. And I had this faith 
but Jesus was never precious to me. And I kind of went on my journey, and then somewhere in college, something happened. My older brother came alongside, and he had shared this, this different way of doing life. I call it the Jesus humanity, because there's a way to live out a humanity that is the Jesus humanity, and there's a way to live out our humanity that's just a different way to live it out. And he invited me into this relationship with Jesus. And I remember about four months after that, I'm laying on this uh, couch in my apartment and all my roommates were gone. And I was told, well, you ought to read the Bible. So I started to read the Bible. And I came across this story that actually included Peter and Jesus. And, and the disciples were out on this boat and, and, and it was stormy and Jesus wasn't with them. And Jesus comes walking on the water and they think he's a ghost and they're freaking out. Because why wouldn't you freak out if you saw somebody walking on the water towards you in the middle of a storm out on a lake? And, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter said, well, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the water to you. And he does. And it's amazing. And I don't know what it felt like. Was it really wet or did he not get wet at all did he sink a little bit was it like the bouncy houses at blitz i mean what was it like walking on that water and he goes and he's sort of got his eyes fixed on jesus but then it says that he felt the wind and the storm and you know these waves and the water and he he takes his eyes off of jesus and he starts to sink and i remember thinking oh oh that's my story that story is my story because I, I had been sinking in my life. And then I love what, what Peter does. It, it just says that he cried out, save me. And then I thought, oh, wait, I, I did that four months ago. I, that's what I did. I just said, hey, I, would you save me? Save me from living out this type of humanity that's tearing me apart and I'm sinking. I need another way to do life. And then I love what it says right after that. In the version that I was reading, it says, immediately. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand, grabs Peter, pulls him up, and they walk together back into the boat. And in that moment, Jesus was precious to me. Because I knew that Peter's story was was really my story. It's It's really our story. He goes on, kind of in the middle of verse 7, he says, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. There is a way to do life, and we get to choose. And when we choose, that destiny begins to be marked out for us. And I knew that I was going down one destination and I needed another one. And then verse 9, he, he begins to just remind them of their value again. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. But he doesn't just leave it there. He actually gives them purpose and a mission He says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, you get to, just like Peter, who went out and told the world of God's crazy, amazing love, you get to do that as well. 
He says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. One of the key stepping stones to developing hope and transformation in your life is to remember your story. Never forget your story. Tell it. Tell it often. Learn to tell it well. Have a cup of coffee with somebody. It will be one of the most encouraging things that you can do is to just sit down and remember your story. Journal it out. It'll be that encouragement for you like it was for Peter. Peter Peter didn't forget his story. He met Jesus on a beach in Galilee, and you can read about it in Luke chapter 5. He's exhausted. He's tired. He's stressed. He's probably angry because his job didn't go so well that day. He'd been fishing all night. He was a fisherman. That's how they got their money. That's how they bought their food. And when you didn't catch any fish, well, you know how that goes. And so he's cleaning his nets. It's sometime in the morning. The sun is up. It's getting hot. And if I'm Peter, I just want to go home and go to bed. I mean, when I'm depressed and when I'm discouraged, when I'm stressed, I don't want to be around people. I, I, I don't know how you, how you are, but there's all these people on the beach with Peter and Jesus is teaching and Jesus asked Peter for a favor. When people ask me for a favor and I'm exhausted, it's like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. And, and even if I do do it, I, you know, I probably have a bad attitude about it. And Peter says, okay. And he get, Jesus gets into the boat and he hears Jesus teach. And then Jesus asks him to do something very strange and that's go fishing right in the middle of the day. I mean, after they had had a horrible night. And again, if I'm Peter, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Everything's clean and, and, and it's all set and I'm done. But Peter says, well, because you, you say so, I'm going to go out. And there's this massive catch of fish. And Peter knows Jesus' teaching and he knows Jesus' power. And he comes to Jesus, he falls on his knees and he says, go away from me. He knows that there's something radically different. Jesus is not just an ordinary guy. But Jesus looks at Peter and he believes in him. And he says, you know what? How about instead of fishing for fish, you fish for humans. How about you tell people about the amazing love of God? How about I give you a new and refreshed mission in life? And Peter says yes. And his life begins to change. And he sees healed people some in his own family. He sees outcasts accepted. He sees the poor uh, ministered to and the hungry fed. Peter goes on this journey. He sinks and Jesus saves him in the water. At one point, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter was the one who boldly stood up and said, you are Messiah. You are the anointed one. You're the one that we've been waiting forever to show up because you're going to change everything and begin to set everything right. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's one of the highlights of Peter's life. And then if you read, because Matthew sort of has a sense of humor, he, he turns it on a dime really quick. And, and Jesus said, well, you know, Messiah is going to die and rise again. This, it's the vocation of Messiah to come and die. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and he rebukes Jesus. And he says, this is not going to happen. Well, Jesus rebukes Peter right back because sometimes our growth just needs a little rebuke. And he says, hey, Get behind me, Satan. That's not what you want to hear from Jesus. Jesus says, you have the human interests in mind, not God's interests. And it's one of the lowest moments of his life. Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet, but then Jesus explained it to him, and then he did. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no, I'll never do that. And then 
he did three times. Peter did some crazy things. We see Peter weeping from his grief. We see Peter hiding because he's in fear. But I love Peter because on Sunday morning, we see Peter running towards the empty tomb. And it's no wonder he sprinted towards the open tomb, the empty tomb, because he so needed Jesus to be alive, and so do we. There's a great bookend to Peter's life. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 5 is, is sort of the beginning. John 21 is sort of the other bookend of his experience with Jesus. And it goes on after that in the book of Acts, but it's a beautiful kind of a, a bookend because there's another fishing expedition and it's failed, and then Jesus shows up and said, hey, you got to toss your nets on the other side, and they do, and there's another huge catch of fish, and Peter looks up, and it's no wonder he saw right away, oh, it's Jesus. And I love how the story goes, because while everybody's rowing back to the shore, Peter jumps off the boat. I mean, can you imagine this scene? He's swimming towards the shore, and he's dragging himself up out of the lake, and he's soaking wet, and he runs up to Jesus because he just knew. He knew he had to be with Jesus. And Jesus restores Peter as almost if to say, I know everything that you've done, and I love you anyway, and I have a purpose for your life still. So go love my people. Go love the world, because you're still useful to me. And some of you this morning need to know that. What are you hoping for these days? Where would you like to see your life change these days? Remember your story. Another thing that is a stepping stone towards transformation and hope is to share about what God is up to with those around you. I mean, sometimes it's just good because I don't... I don't know about you, but I don't always feel God working in my life. I can't, I can't always see what he's doing. Sometimes I need other people to tell me what they see going on with me, and I need them to just share, hey, how is God working in your life? What's he been up to lately around here? We do that as a staff at Lakeside Church. We actually write it into our playbook. Our playbook is the, sort of the DNA. It's, it's our ethos. It's what we're shooting for at Lakeside. And one of the things that we say, it's right up here on a banner. It says, we celebrate life-giving grace. And it's just this idea that we will share with one another what God is up to. We'll talk about the stories. And then we're going to celebrate it. And so we had this amazing camp called Blitz a couple weeks ago. And on Thursday this last week, as a staff, we gathered together and we just started to share some of the stories. And it was great. It was great to hear things that I, I had no idea went on at camp. I mean, we, we had some silly things go on at camp, like when, like when Super Sean was supposed to walk on eggs and not break any of them. And then they all broke, you know. They didn't break in rehearsal. I walked on six dozen eggs, and it was this object lesson because uh, Brittany, one of our protégés, brilliant Brittany, she's amazing, she had these object lessons, and they all worked, and they were all great, but we did have some trouble with the eggs on one of the sessions. And I stepped on some of the eggs, and they all broke. And then I stepped on the other one, and they all broke. And all the kids are around me. They're really close, and they're saying, Super Sean, the eggs are all breaking. I'm like, I know they're breaking. It's not supposed to work this way. I don't know what to say now. Maybe I'll teach you about the church martyrs and how that went. And this, you follow God and it's going to be painful or something like that. But I thought, no, I don't want those kind of emails from moms and dads. So I don't remember what I said, but, but I got out of that. 
And we kind of changed it for the rest of the rest of the sessions. And sometimes we, we played with fire. Playing with fire at Blitz was, was pretty cool. Maybe you heard about the fire. Josh Boland shot this video. And, and the whole point of the fire was is that you stick your hands in water and then you have the methane soap bubbles and you light them on fire. And because you stuck your hands in the water, you can do something that you wouldn't normally be able to do. And this is the idea of God in our life. It's the idea of the Holy Spirit. We can actually do things that we're not normally able to do with God's power in our life. And we're teaching the kiddos about this and kiddos are starting to grab onto things. And there was this one story that somebody shared on Thursday about this kindergartner, first grader who ran up in the lobby to his grandparents and he told his grandparents, he's not dead. And I guess, I don't know if they weren't listening or, or if he just wanted to emphasize it because he was really passionate and, ex- and you know, excited about this. And so he said, no, you need to understand he's not dead. And I think grandma and grandpa were like, they said something like, wow, you really like going here, don't you? You know, and I love to hear those stories. Another, another mom sent us an email. And her, her little guy just, he didn't want to take the Blitz shirt or the Blitz cape off. I mean, Blitz was not done. They went on vacation, but Blitz was still going on in his little heart and in his little mind. And so he went with his dad out on the beach and they're, you know, together. What a great Father's Day picture. I mean, a lot has gone on through our Blitz camp. And the stories are all over the place. And one of the stepping stones to, to holding on to hope and that hope being a hinge for us to develop ongoing transformation is to just share the stories with one another. Remember your story and then share what God is up to amongst yourselves. Blitz was great at the very end of Blitz. Um, each day we would remind the kids of something because during, during the sessions that I had with them, at one point, right in the middle of each Bible lesson, I would just stop and I would say, hey, if you forget everything else that I'm saying, which most of them probably did, if you forget everything else, just remember this one thing, that no matter how old you are, no matter how much you mess up, no matter what you do or what you don't do, God is passionately in love with you with a crazy, no matter what, unconditional love. And at the end of each day, Ramey Romer, who was Funder Woman, she's our director of fun around here, she would tell the kids, hey, remember what Super Sean said to you? I want you to grab it. I want you to put it in your heart, and I want you to lock it away. Keep it with you. So adults... Mature, sophisticated adults here this morning over in the family room. If you forget everything else I said this morning, remember that God is so passionately in love with you. Catch it. Put it in your heart and lock it away. Carry it with you wherever you go. Remember his love. Remember your story, share the stories, and remember his love. It will be a lifeboat to you in the midst of rocky times. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thanks for that love that you give us every single day. God, there's often times when we don't feel it. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. But God, you're faithful to 
communicate that to us in ways that we can understand, in ways that we can feel down deep in our soul, in ways that we can know in our minds. So God, may we know that this morning. And Lord, if there are those here this morning that have yet to enter into that precious relationship with you, my prayer is they would do what Peter did. They would do what I did. They would do what we all must do. And that's simply to say, save me, Lord. I need you, Lord. I'm sinking, Lord. And God, you are faithful to reach out and grab us and pull us close to you. And Lord, if there's those here this morning or over in the family room that have, maybe, maybe it's been a while for them. Maybe they've been discouraged. Lord, would you reach out to them and communicate your love? God, we need you. We love you. We're grateful for you. God, we're grateful that you are the Abba. You are the Daddy on this Father's Day. May we remember that you are the perfect Heavenly Father. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.